Welcome to the Rethink Sales Podcast. I'm Mark Danolo. And I'm Michelle Seeger. And today, Michelle, we're going to be talking about some current events and news items that are just near and dear to our hearts and emotions and minds. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking <laughs> about coming back to work and the performance review is back. Yeah, I know. So what's this coming back to work thing? I, I never left, actually. I think I'm living an alternative reality. <laughs> well, this is going to be a good one. I'm sure a little spicy too. <laughs> All right. So Mark, over the past few weeks, I've noticed some trends in the, the content of C-suite strategies, which is something uh, that I love to read in the Wall Street Wall Street Journal, Journal yeah, yeah. And the one that caught my eye was around the performance review. And for those of you that are out there, it, it basically the title of it is, the performance review is back. It kind of jumps out at you, doesn't it? It does jump out You can't out not at you. read that. No, the font, <laughs> I think the font says it all. But, you know, there's a lot of reasons, I believe, why other than people have been, you know, working from home. And what we know is that over the past two years with the pandemic, companies have kind of put the performance review aside. Mm -hmm. But now it's back, but with a vengeance, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we haven't had any, it's been like um, softy street for a couple of years here and, and being easy and don't worry, just, you know, just maybe come back to work. And, and now it's like, okay, we, we need to actually do something to make sure that, people are developing and, and, and people are growing and, and we're kind of getting back to normal. I won't use the word new, but back to normal a little bit. Okay. So, so here's one theory before we get into this article, okay. which is we were saying, Oh, you know, everybody can work remote. You can do whatever you want. You know, productivity is going up. I've been arguing this for two years. I don't believe productivity is going up. We'll talk oh, about no. that. Then, yeah. But, what happens when things start to tighten up? Fear of recession. We have massive inflation. Wages are going up. We'll talk about that too. And all of a sudden, things start getting tough. Companies start laying people off. What's the immediate reaction that companies have? It's like, hey, I want everybody close by. I want to see what people are doing. I want to have them engaged. And I want to, I want to know what's going on so we can work together as a team, right? Performance review. That's one method right? Of, of connecting back with people for development, but also to make sure we know what's going on. That's exactly right. It's the same thing. I mean, the same reason that they want people back in the office. And, you know, companies, uh, we are talking to them every day. They're just asking for two days, maybe three back in the office, but there's a lot of resistance there with back to the office and the performance review. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing three a lot with, with companies and, and some of the big tech companies, Three days a week, you can pick them. You have to be back in one of our offices, our facilities, not in like some, you know, you work, uh, you know, location or something like that or, or some offsite thing. You have to be back in one of our offices three days a week. You pick the days and then you get something like maybe two uh, weeks of kind of wildcat remote work time that you can do anywhere you want, right? And, yeah, we have been hearing and that, that and, too. And we're seeing that across multiple companies and people are now starting to grovel about that. You mean I have to actually, you know, have some accountability, you know? So go ahead. That didn't mean to interrupt. Okay, <laughs> but you have. And I suspect we're going to get a lot of your opinion in this podcast. No, no. So 
I, what I really wanted to talk about is, is like, why? And, right. you know, one of the things that we do know is that there was a lot of, you know, companies just relaxing a lot of protocol. There was a lot of information that was coming out around increased productivity, mm-hmm. but the numbers are out, Mark. Yeah. Do you know where we're getting increased productivity? Down. We're getting, everybody's going, oh, I'm more productive when I'm at home. That's, that was our measure of increased productivity. Now that we have real, you know, output divided by hours measurements, we can see it's not happening across the board. Right. So what I really wanted to talk about, Mark, is why. So why is it that in the Wall Street, it was, a you know, just a couple weeks back, so just call it in the Q3, that there was, you know, an image of a man crossing his arms and it was, bosses are saying it's back to the office or else. And mm. now the performance review is back with a vengeance. Right. And I think it's because part of it is because companies weren't taking a real strong position, as mm-hmm. you said earlier mm-hmm. on, about what the expectations were. People have been pushing back. But unlike all this that we're hearing about increased productivity, we're finally starting to see statistics on white-collar workers. And what we know is that productivity is going down, and we know that wages in the same period are going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we've, we've been hinting at this for, for quite a while. And uh, right. I think the initial productivity readings we were, get from, were from people that were saying, well, I'm more productive when I'm at home. And that's all we had for metrics. And now we're starting to see the real metrics. And and like a lot of things that happen in organizations and in big populations, we tend to swing hard one direction and we swing hard the other direction to uh, kind of overcorrect. Yeah, which is kind of a shame. I'd like to kind of find this middle ground. So, as we get into this, um, as we get into this discussion around the performance review, mm-hmm. I want to end up tying it back to the sales organization and right. and what we see out there as well. Mm-hmm. So what we know is what we're hearing on the performance review is we've got companies like Google, we've got Meta that are saying things like you know the ones that were real proponents of working at home. I remember are saying. Um, They've got to, here we go, identify and report low performers and workers thought to be coasting within the company. That came from Meta That doesn't sound like 1984, does it, Michelle? Identify and report. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, it might to me a little bit. I some, don't know. Some but... irony there. I remember a uh, commercial from a certain uh, uh, fruit-flavored uh, computer company back in 1984, Fruit flavored. Mm, yeah. okay. and so, so now we're getting identify and report now all over again. Oh and and they, they were for the, uh, going against the status quo, but now, yeah, we are the status quo, so identify and report. But, yeah, it's the hard swing, right? It's um, uh, what, what we heard from uh, Mark Zuckerberg. It was, you know, um, I need you to look at your, your people uh, and, and find out, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but find out um, – you know, which of them should not be on the team or should not be with us any longer. I mean, I'm kind of mixing some of what he said, but yeah, that, that general idea. And, and when things start getting tight and, and the economy starts getting tough, you know, we want to start pulling things tighter. We want to know what's going on and we want to make sure everybody's performing. Right. So you can see this reaction, the performance review. It's like, that's the tool that we, we've known about, we've had for years. That's what we're comfortable with. Let's go back to performance reviews. So let's talk about what I think could be. This is my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talk about the sales organization, 
What we really, really want to understand there is, you know, they are a very valuable asset, most expensive, you know, cost of sales is very high. Um, So when you look at what are we really looking for? I think what we're looking for is what the return on the sales investment really is. Mm -hmm. So what's my cost of sales and what's my productivity? Mm -hmm. And so is there a way outside of the traditional performance review that we should be looking at? Because I think that we both believe that there could be and that there is looking at the sales organization and understanding what it, how are we getting what we're paying for? Right. Yeah. I think the good news about sales fortunately is we have a lot of measurement and it's very performance based, right? So it, it's probably a little clearer to understand that than it is a lot of other jobs where it, it's hard to identify metrics that apply directly to that person. So here's one of the interesting, um, equations when you put it together, if I can call it that, which is with this whole war for talent, which is happening mm-hmm. in sales as well. Right. If we're increasing what we're paying people, we're increasing salaries, we're increasing target compensation, one of three things has to happen, right? Either you increase productivity mm-hmm. to cover that increase in compensation, or you increase prices Mm-hmm. to cover that increase in cost, or you find other cost cutting in other places. And if you don't do one of those three things, you're going to have lower profitability. So there's a connection point here, right? And 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 so that's directly within the sales organization. So we're going to increase, increase costs. We've got to do one of those three things uh, or else we're going to be losing profitability. And then you look at it in a macro sense, for the entire country or the entire world, it's like the war for talent. Everybody's getting paid more. Right. Well, what's yeah. happening? Costs are increasing, right? That's one of the drivers of inflation, and including others like driving too much money into the uh, money supply into the market. But um, yeah, you, you, there's no free lunch here. It's like you don't just get to you know give out or have more compensation without some some payback for it. So so companies are going to have to do those things within the sales organization. So you have to look at your sales team and say, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to increase quotas? What am I going to do? So I thought it would be really good for us to bring it home to the sales organization a little bit today mm-hmm. and talk about what of those three things, let's talk about what companies can do and how they can look at those three areas that you talked about. Um, we could start talking about, we could start with the productivity piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we know is that companies are saying, gosh, Mark, do you remember we just talked to a technology company very recently and the sales leader said, I know that people are just not working, which is a very big statement. Mm-hmm. And this person was making it about the sales organization. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they're not doing anything, but that that's, was the exact words out of this person's mouth, right? Yeah, I thought that was something because in sales, you there's accountability on the other side right. of that. So if they're not working, they're not going to be hitting their goals. Mm-hmm. Or if they're hitting their goals, then we should probably be okay with whatever they're doing to, to, to get to those goals. So I'm wondering when that person said that, if if maybe they didn't have any real accountability in their in their comp plan or their performance management to ensure that was happening. Well, that could be. So let's talk about how we talk and how we work with our clients, because this is a good practical takeaway on how they can look at their organization and identify where they need to improve productivity or where the opportunities are Mm -hmm. to what we like to call 
decontaminate the sales role to increase productivity. Yeah, I think that that's one of the biggest ones is sales role decontamination. So we know sales organizations are spending on average about 52% of their time selling. Yeah. So you got a whole lot of opportunity there to, to increase um, your, your sales capacity or productivity. So um, by, first of all, understanding what they're doing and, and, and periodically tracking that uh, through some time sampling, then you can start to make some shifts. So your options there are going to be either to, you know, eliminate certain activities. So if, if a salesperson is spending time on service activities or operational things or putting out fires, whatever they might be, how do we eliminate those? Or how do we do what we call shift and lift? So how do we shift those to another lower cost resource to be able to lift the salesperson up to what we want them to do? Or how do we automate? So they might be spending time on things like pricing or uh, areas that might be better done uh, by by software or AI. Um, or um, do we um, do something uh, else to, to to remove that activity from from that person? But that that's an immediate sales capacity return. Another big one is that whole issue resolution. We find that salespeople spend a lot of time there too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So that, that's an easy one. You know, I think the trap there is uh, when you talk about, well, how does your sales organization spend its time? Mm-hmm. The, the classic thing we hear is, uh, yeah, you know, we did a time study last year. And so we know, and I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> did you like, you know, take your blood pressure last year or get a checkup last year or five years ago and think that's okay? I mean, uh, how, do you, how do you live on something that's a year old in terms of information? But everybody recognizes the importance of it, but, mm-hmm. but it's not done, I think, well enough in organizations to actually improve productivity. So that, that's a big opportunity there. So it's doing a time study. One of the other things that, you know, if you're trying to solve for that, we ask leaders to answer the question, which is, what do you want your salespeople doing? Mm-hmm. Where do you want them spending their time? Mm-hmm. And always they're like, well, I want them to spend more time selling. Yeah, we know that they don't. Yeah, we know it's only 50%. Yeah, we know that they have to prepare all their own, you know, business intelligence and whatever it is they need to go in front of their our clients. So, you know, what we like to do is look at the time study results and bucket them, right? Like where people are spending their time. And then we you we like to engage the sales organization because we lay out the sales process too and kind of get some validation around that, but just kind of validate where people are spending their time and on what activities. And then that can help inform what you can decontaminate, if you will. Yeah. And that's one of the ironic things about doing what you're describing is you hear a lot, you know, we talked about 1984 before, mm. uh, but you hear a lot about, well, it's like a big brother exercise and salespeople aren't going to want to tell anybody what they're doing. Oh, oh but it's not they true. They want to. Yeah. They love it. It's a communication tool. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like counterintuitive that when we do these things, uh, we, we get a lot of great information from the sales organization because they want to communicate all the things that they're doing that they don't want to be doing, that they want to get off their plate. Right. So they're usually pretty, pretty good about that. And it's usually pretty accurate. Well, and the other thing that I found is that we will often have leaders come to us and say something like this. I would like to uh, put in place an inside sales team Mm -hmm. to help our field team, right? So we think that there's an opportunity there maybe for transactional 
sales. This is an actual situation that we saw for. But we, we went through and actually did the time study. And we also got some voice of customer to understand what their clients wanted. That wasn't it at all. And in fact, we didn't recommend inside sales. It was a complete business intelligence function to provide information to their clients that they're not getting today. Mm -hmm. So I think that it also just helps inform assumptions that you've made around what you need to do in looking at your sales organization, but validate it by understanding where people are spending their time and what your process really looks like with salespeople uh, providing some input. Yep. Yeah, so that's just one way that you can increase productivity. Well, let's talk about one other productivity booster here, which yeah. is uh, workload, right? So Yes, a big one. You know, the, the sales capacity is going to be determined by the amount of available time you have, which we've been talking mm-hmm. about. So the more time you have available, more capacity you have, divided by the workload or number of hours yeah. it takes you to do something like sell a new account or manage an account so you can sell or manage more accounts if it takes less workload. And so one of the things you can do on sales productivity is is understand what people are doing in terms of the workload to close an account. And in particular, one obvious one is how many deals they're carrying in their, their funnel, what I call funnel fodder. Mm. So basically... We get really comfy. It's kind of like it's it's like like winter. We get really comfy with you lots of fat like around the belly. Comfy. I don't like that <laughs> word. I don't know why. Well, anyway. well, salespeople instead of like getting comfy, like with all sorts of kind of fat around their belly in the winter, they get comfy every all, all year round with a really fat funnel, right? The more stuff I have to talk about that I'm working on, the better I feel about myself as a salesperson, and the more I can talk to my sales manager about all the stuff I'm working on even if all that stuff isn't high probability, right? So what we need to do is we need to get lean and we need to shred the funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So think like a bodybuilder, right? So I, w- I, I don't want to be bulked up anymore. What I want to do is I want to shred. So I want to get rid of all the stuff that's, you know, of a certain age, over 60 days, over 90 days, whatever it might be, stuff that is below a certain probability, stuff that we can't validate that there is a, you know, a quality buyer or decision maker there. And, and by doing that, you're spending less time working all those deals that are super low probability or old. And, yeah. and that, that increases or, or lowers your workload, which can increase productivity. Mark, what you talked about, there, there are three points, right? The three things that could happen. And I want to talk about the second one now. So we talked about you got to either increase productivity, mm-hmm. increase price, and increase price means that your darn customers are going to pay more. Yeah. Number two, Ugh. increasing price. Okay. Number so, two. So you will have lower profit unless you use maybe the increasing price option. Mm. So we're seeing we're seeing that, you know, inflation's at its highest highest Everywhere. rate. We talked about no free lunch. So yeah. price of labor increases, price of goods increase. And, um, you know, we can all see it in our, our day-to-day lives. So what does that mean for, for sales? Well, right. I think what it means is that either, A, you're going to be keeping pace somewhere around where the market's going, so everybody's going to be increasing price mm-hmm. and, and the customer has to accept that because there's not an alternative, or B, your competitors are not increasing price, they're choosing to do something else, like take lower profits, so you increase price, which means your salespeople have to come up with a better value proposition. Right. It's a new conversation. 
Right. And you, but it can't just be an increased price. It though. Can't there be actually like, has to be. We're implementing change. our annual price increase. I've heard that one. In fact, I yeah, yeah I ordered something the other day, and it, and then I had to get back. It was a a vendor, and they said uh, by the time I got back, well, we've had an increased uh, price increase on this. Um, I had no alternative at that point. Oh, they no. kind of pass it along like it's some yeah. perfunctory thing, and you kind of grovel a little bit, and you're like, okay, well, my cost of going finding finding it somewhere else is actually higher. So how do you pass along a price increase that's not aligned with all your competitors if you're a salesperson? Yeah. I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, and it, I think you've got to figure out, I mean, if I'm thinking about that, it can't just be a spin. It means that the salesperson is going to have to really be thinking about how they're going to differentiate what they're providing to their clients to their customers. Right. So maybe it's time to think about all of the companies out there doing a little voice of customer because look, you already talked about earlier we discussed that companies, right? There there may be two days in the office. I have to believe in what we're hearing too is that information is even more valued than it was before. So if you're a salesperson, maybe he or she differentiates with their customers by providing more information about the industry, about what's going on. Um, but something has to happen to cause preference if you're increasing your price. Yes, yeah, so I think the first thing you have to do as a sales organization is understand what your competitors are doing. Yes. So if everybody, if the tide's rising everywhere, then then you're probably okay. Yeah. And then, as you, you said... That's it? You're just done? You're okay? Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just done. everybody's equally <laughs> aggravated, right? Everybody's equally aggravated. <laughs> We're all in this together, remember? Yeah, that lasts for so long. So everybody's equally aggravated, and so you're just kind of rising with competitors. But if you're not, you've got to definitely come up with a better value proposition. And then what does it mean for quotas? Right. I mean, that's my big question is now you've got a tough sales environment, and we all know that. And you've got salespeople that are saying, gosh, they're still trying to figure out how to even connect because we know – there are some events are back, but a lot of events are not. They're not able to connect as well face-to-face. -face. So now you're going to increase their quota, and they're going to be questioning that. Yeah. Well, if you if you have a price increase, quota is going to go up mm -hmm. with that price increase. Um, if you aren't going to have a price increase, and we talked about productivity, you know, your quotas are going to go up yeah. potentially with the increase in productivity as well. But quotas are going to be affected either way. Right. So let's talk about decreasing price in other areas. I want to tell you something. I just got back from New York, as you know, and I went into three different stores, like major retailers and then one grocery store. Do you know that the only checkouts that were open was the automated checkout? They had no one, mm -hmm. like no one. And I walked into a super target. I think they must have 18 or 20 registers. And you yep. know how they're doubled yep. up to. There was not one person. And the line, I'm not kidding. There were at least 30 or maybe more people in line. It was like Christmas. I walked out because I only needed two things. And I ended up going to CVS down the street and picked up the thing I needed for my dad and went you home. You probably paid more for it. but they're, I paid a lot more for they're, they're it, They're decreasing the costs in other areas. So you're yes. going to have higher labor costs. You're going to automate and decrease costs in other areas. That's funny. Do you want me to tell you what I was buying? I don't know if people will be interested in this. I was buying a package of Lifesavers, like in the bags. Uh -huh. I'm not kidding. So it was maybe $3.29. It's funny you mentioned the increased 
price. Three twenty nine at Target. I picked him up a few. It was three eighty nine eighty nine at the drugstore. Wow. Yeah. But but you were willing to pay that. Well, I was there. By the time you got there, it was was too late. You're not going to go back, right? Yeah. But anyway, I just thought that was really interesting. So there you go. Increased price to the consumer, increased cost. And it can be a real cost like in that product. But to me, that was like an increased cost in my time. You know, I mean, it cost me in another way. It cost in customer services lowered. How are they they, um, lowering the... uh, costs in other Experience. areas so that they're automating yeah. and then they're making you their employee, right? There so you then go. you end up doing the checkout or what is it? Is it one of those pizza chains now says, well, if you come pick up the pizza, you'll save three bucks. Well, you know, that's, they're paying you three bucks that for your time. So, so your time is probably a little bit more valuable than running all the way down to the place yeah. and back. And then you have to dodge the lawn sprinklers and yeah. stuff like the guy does on the TV commercial for three bucks. So I'm not so sure that increasing the price, right, which is why, for example, Target, I think, I mean, you can say that it's because people weren't available to work, but I'm not so sure. I think it's because they're trying to manage their costs overall and not pass the end, you know, the, the consumer, maybe the product price. But I did pay in terms of my time and having to stand in that big line, right, and I chose right. to leave. So... You know, it doesn't seem very, um, it seems a little grim, the conversation we're having right now. So what's the good news? Let's talk about some uh, good news The good news, news the is, it, is, it, is it builds character and strength, Michelle. Oh, boy. That's because not, the worst not everybody gets a participation trophy here. We have to actually oh, work and bust it to get one. <laughs> so. No, but truly, I mean, we become better as we, as we deal with these things, right? Right, yes. I mean, a, a lot of companies, I'm thinking... Uh, that that started in in tougher economic times, mm-hmm. uh, they learned to. I think about the deer in my in my backyard, and during the winter, you know, when there's no vegetation, they eat tree bark, and so it's like if if you start the business or you or you learn in the tree bark phase, then when when all the the nice juicy green sprouts are out, life is so much easier, right? Oh my gosh! So I, I'm concerned about the people that learned in the juicy green sprout phase, and now they're trying to eat tree bark. So this builds character, builds strength, and and you actually build capability. Yeah. Uh, Let's hope everybody sees it that way, Mark. Uh, But I I don't disagree with you. Um, Anyway, this has been a really great conversation. Yeah, I'm I'm motivated, yeah. but uh, are you motivated? Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think I think some of the takeaways are that um, with all of uh, this change that we've been through, uh, points of accountability are starting to come back. Yes, you know, they that, are. That, that point on the headline about the performance reviews, and so right. companies are trying to reconnect with how do we get um, an understanding of of the situation? How do we connect more with our people, and how do we make sure? We're developing our team and, 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 and getting the growth and productivity that we need as, as things are uncertain. So again, bringing it back to sales, though, what, mm-hmm. what the things that we believe that companies can do is just in, in lieu of just the standard performance review, what we say is build a true pay-for-performance plan, right, incentive compensation plan. We know that a lot of companies during the pandemic, and some even before that, a portion of pay would be based off a corporate bonus or maybe a team plan. But I think the pay for performance and individual 
performance pay would be just motivating to people as well. Oh, and, and we know from the, the recent survey we did of, of the 600 companies that yeah. the measures are shifting from the team measures they to are. the more individual yep. measures. We, we yep. know that's a definite shift globally. And um, I think part of it is because companies are getting a better understanding of what's going on. I think their their ability to set goals is a little bit better than it was during the pandemic. And and I think, you know, to the points we've been talking about, they want to drive individual accountability and individual productivity. And, you know, true salespeople, true sales organizations welcome that. They want to be measured for what they can accomplish, what they can what can they what they can impact. Yes. And you know, Mark, I would like to have people think about as uh, we we have the conversations around coming back to work. Now we learn a lot of salespeople. We do know that many of them weren't going into an office five days a week anyway. But whether you're in sales or not, when we think about people coming back to the office, we have said, you know, be really clear. I think that's part of why the companies are putting their foot down because companies weren't clear to begin with. I was just talking to a global company today, global transportation company, and they said that their CEO had said, we really want people to come back one day a week. And then it was, okay, management team, we want people in two days a week. People weren't even coming in one. And they were kind of like, okay, if you're comfortable, we want you coming in. Well, now it was exactly like that article I read. A mandate came down and said, you will be in the office three days a week or you need to start looking for somewhere else to work Mm -hmm. because it was really soft at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So here's what I'd like to leave uh, our listeners with is something that we've also challenged ourselves with is when people come in, how do we use this as a great opportunity to have people really love and enjoy and get something out of the time that they're in the office. So I even challenged our team and I said, instead of saying, you know, oh, geez, it's Tuesday, I got to come in. I want them saying, I can't wait until tomorrow because here's the expectation. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, TGIT, yeah. TGIT. There you go. Thank God it's Tuesday (laughs) and Thursday because those are our days. But really, I do want them to be thinking about how can you reframe this and make it a little different? Because this isn't about, you know, attendance. It's really about learning, collaboration, and having something really meaningful to talk to each other about That's and to share it. with each other, to develop. Right. You brought that up right. earlier. There's a reason yeah. we're, we're humans. Yeah. And we're not androids. We want to be together. We want to learn. We want to collaborate. We want to build culture. And, right. And we want to develop, yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it's been a lively conversation. Thank you, Mark, for spending your time with me today. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's been a joy. And, you know, talking (laughs) about the, the great performance review. So we'll see you the next time.